Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here along with Michael Swede in Sweden. And this is another episode of Bloodlines here on Eurofolk Radio. And today we're going to be concluding our series on the three-headed eagle of Second Esdras, which really does take us into these latter days as these three heads uh, of the vision are still with us and pretty much conforming to the prophecy as stated in Second Ezra chapter uh, 12, 11 and 12 are the chapters we're discussing here. And so how are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing good here. And here we have, uh, I would refer to a Messiah weather. We have a sun, a very warm, uh, warm sun that just break up before we started the show. So uh, I know people are maybe referring to other kind of weather, but it's the Messiah weather, it's Jesus Christ weather. That's the one right. we should uh, thank yeah. this good sun for. Yeah, maybe that explains global warming, right? <laughs> okay, the whole planet's going to burn. Mystery Babylon's going to burn. We're going to see that happen. I, I really think, Michael, we're going to see that happening with our own eyes very soon. That we're looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, are the glaciers of Sweden melting as we speak? Uh, what's the story? Oh, actually, even more important than that. What is the coronavirus news coming from your country? Because as far as I can tell, Sweden has had no greater mortality rate than any other country on the world. Those that have the lockdown and social distancing, etc. Well, I, the only thing I can see is that they are again they are trying to uh, they try to foster this I don't know this second wave thing. They try to now scare people for the second wave, and we know the second wave will probably be the vaccine, so that will kill the people. That's so right. uh, that's what I've seen in a way. But otherwise, as you said, <laughs> Corona, as you and you and Maid was reading last time, this article that said that no one probably has died of it. It is just they just call it Corona if they had a heart attack, if they had whatever they call it Corona. Because of the, that's a political correct thing to do, I would say. Yeah. So I believe that this corona is either it's it's uh, non-existence. It is just uh, our people are running from ghosts, running from shadows, because right. they doesn't have any 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 found any, any foundation in the scriptures. If they had, they wouldn't be running. They would see through this lie. But they are haven't. Their God is in their television. Yeah. Well, one thing that the scripture is fulfilling is the uh, mark of the beast and the uh, big pharma prophecy the sorceries revelation 18:23 i believe the verse is that the mark of the beast and big pharma are directly related to one another and the vaccine program of bill gates uh, the club of rome the rockefellers the rothschilds is fully in play right now in these end times there's no doubt about that michael absolutely no doubt no, that that's what they want. They want to, people now. They are screaming for, I guess, to get back to normal, and then they will uh, get their hands. And say, yeah, if you do this. Yes, and Bill Gates is frothing at the mouth to vaccinate us, folks. He's frothing at the mouth like a like the wolf, the the vermin that he is, and all the people around him. Okay, so uh, before we get back into Second Esdras, uh, a quick update on. What happened last week at Eurofest, actually the show that Michael and I did last Sunday was from Eurofest and it was one of the few that we were able to broadcast live. The uh, The venue, the, the weather was so hot, 98 degrees, that it just made it impossible for us to do 
any other shows. And uh, I think I did a, a Friday night show on Yahweh's Covenant People when it was nice and cool. So the only time when we could do shows was late in the evening and early in the morning, and that's when we did Bloodlines. Other than that, it was really stifling hot. We, we did everything we can to make people comfortable, but it didn't work out. The uh, technical problems we had in addition to that was uh, Paul English had set me up for the PA system using HDMI cable in which I could broadcast Skype onto a big screen TV. And uh, we tested it all out. It worked fine. The speakers on the big screen TV were working great. Uh, but then when it came time to actually do a Skype presentation with Monica Schaefer, it didn't work. So so people were sitting there waiting, and we just couldn't get the sound. And it, I could get sound on my little laptop. It wasn't you know barely loud enough for me to hear. So that was a really great disappointment that we couldn't do that. So we just made the best of it and uh, had a good time, did some barbecue, uh, drank beer, <laughs> right? Uh, we did have a visit from a couple of white nationalists, uh, Wiley Coyote and his friend. I guess Wiley does a uh, radio show on the East Coast. He gave a speech. We had about four or five speeches all together indoors with the air conditioning. But uh, Captain B's trailer was uh, really not up to you know, having a big meeting. As it turned out, we had about a dozen people. Had a lot of cancellations at the last minute uh, for various reasons. Uh, we should have had a couple more people from Illinois. But uh, Travis uh, had just started a new job, and his new boss wouldn't let him go, which is understandable. And he should be glad to have a job. And uh, his buddy that was supposed to come along had had a reaction to uh, medication, so he couldn't come. Uh, so it was just one of those deals where it just didn't work out. However, oh yeah, and, and one other thing. Apparently the next door neighbor to Captain B's objected to our presence there. And uh, on the second day, he, he came out and... Uh, started putting up barriers they put up a no trespassing sign on the driveway a driveway which had been shared by captain b and his neighbor for like 17 years <laughs> right without a problem all of a sudden we have a bunch of white nationalists uh yucking it up and he must have heard our conversation didn't like what we were saying the next morning he comes out and puts up all these barriers and rides up and down the driveway in his four-wheeler, uh, throwing stuff at us and uh, ordering us off the driveway. So that made things uh, r rather uncomfortable. He actually called the police on us, Michael. He actually called the police on us. And given all this uh, hectic and uh, crazy uh, activity, uh, Richard, who also lives in North Carolina, only about 20 miles away, he invited us to his house where we could conclude the festivities, and uh, he actually gave a, a really great presentation to end the Eurofest. So outside of the fact that we only had half the people we were expecting and the incredible heat, we all had a really good time, enjoyed ourselves, and uh, I think if anything... Uh, Michael, when you have experienced adversity like this, 
it makes you stronger. And uh, we came out of it even more determined to expose the Jew and everything they're doing to our people. We're not going to give up the fight. If we, but if we do another one of these meetings, it's going to be in the spring, which is when it was supposed to have taken place. But we couldn't do it then because of the lockdown. Okay, so anyway, uh, but in Sweden, maybe we should have had it in Sweden, Michael. <laughs> no, no lockdown there, right? Okay. No, there's no lockdown. But to say, uh, I'm a bit surprised. Okay, so he called the police on you because uh, I don't know. And he was one of our own brothers. Well, he was white. He was a white guy. Yeah, but oh yeah, and even after he had gone through all of that rigmarole, running up and down with his uh, four wheeler. Uh, then when he finally settled down on his property, he got his shotgun out and started doing target practice to accentuate, you know, well, I've got a gun. <laughs> All you people, I've got a gun. You know, so uh, th this was really strange, bizarre behavior. Captain B couldn't figure it out because he had never had this kind of problem with his neighbor ever before. However, uh, I don't think Captain B had ever had a bunch of white nationalists on his property <laughs> before. So I, I think that had something to do with it. Okay. So, but nevertheless, it was definitely worth the trip and uh, just getting to meet a few new people and uh, make, making contacts. Uh, there's no doubt that the white nationalist movement has to, uh, and this is one of the reasons we wanted to get together. The white nationalist movement has to unify against the enemy. We have to. We have no choice but to unify, and uh, you know, and overcome our you know religious and so. We really don't have many political differences, although the you know the what do you call it the the pagans uh, may have some political differences with us. But by and large, I'd say anything that's opposed to the Jews at this stage of the game is good is good and we can work together i really do, do believe we can work together over to you yeah i get uh, i thought you are um yeah i don't know uh, because in sweden it's pretty much uh, it's very i don't know we use the word red you know right. all this kind of, yeah but all those kind of topic is is they have been here the ongoing um what do you say socialism and uh, communist program has been going on for so much longer so this has been so much more ingrading people Yes. Uh, all of this, so it's much more. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. It is harder to. Uh, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Harder to organize in Europe for sure. Okay. Nevertheless, there are fledgling right-wing nationalist groups emerging and political parties in every, virtually every European country, which is a really good sign. Okay. So the people are waking up. Uh, they just don't know uh, that the. Um, the perfidious Jew is the real problem. Communism is just another word for Judaism, <laughs> as as uh, Rabbi Wise stated, okay, way back in the 1930s. Okay, so let's get back to Second Esdras. And we were talking about the eight small underfeathers, the interpretation given by uh, the, uh, the, the religious leader. Well, I forget his name right now. We'll get to it shortly. And um, but but let's pick up on Second Esdras twelve eighteen to the end, and uh, before we get into the exact uh, analysis of what uh, we feel uh, is really happening and what this prophesies. Over to you. 
Okay, yes, so uh, let's, uh, I guess the, you're referring to those um, feathers, was that those nations from the Rishal treaties, or was it just those, uh, uh, what do you say, those leaders of the, um, of the Roman, uh, of those, uh, what do you yeah. say, Kaisers or those emperors from the Roman Catholic, uh, yeah, from that empire? Yeah, well, we pretty much covered that aspect of the vision last time, and we left off at the eight small underfeathers, uh, second Esdras twelve nineteen. Okay, and yeah, uh, yeah okay. Uh, but uh, we need to revisit that prophecy so people understand that uh, this is what we're talking about, and essentially from the Versailles Treaty to the present day is what we're going to analyze in the rest of this program. So, yeah, if you'll pick it up at 2 Ezra's 12, 19, we'll just run through the prophecy real quick and then analyze it, okay? Yes, so 2 Ezra's 12, 19. And whereas thou sawest the eight small under feathers sticking to her wings, this is the interpretation, that in him there shall arise eight kings, whose time shall be but small, but their year swift. Okay. Small and swift. Mm-hmm. And two of them shall perish, the middle time approaching. Four shall be kept until the end begin to approach, but two shall be kept unto the end. Okay, so of the eight, uh, two will perish early. Um, some of them will be, four will be kept until their end begin to approach. But two of these countries, which were formed, essentially the, what this prophecy is saying, the, the interpretation is that during, at the Versailles Treaty, eight countries were formed, but only two shall survive to the end. Okay, that's what this is saying. Oh, back to you. Yeah, and this, uh, um, yeah, when we keep studying this, uh, we will see that this requires some knowledge into European history. Amen. Yeah, in fact, very detailed knowledge, which most theologians aren't prepared to do. <laughs> okay. All right, back to you. Okay. Number 22, then. And whereas thou sawest uh, three heads resting, this is the interpretation. In the last day shall the Most High raise up three kingdoms and renew many things therein, and they shall have the dominion of the earth. Okay, so we're, we're talking about the last days here. And uh, this is a reference to the three heads of state, the three nations that made war against Germany. And, and of course, Italy and uh, I forget who else the allies of the Germans was at that time. And the, the Axis powers, as they were known. So... We're seeing here that these three heads that arose during World War II still still reign over the earth. And the reason why is, although with one exception, namely Russia, the Rothschilds have dominion over all three. The Putin has not been able to totally eliminate Jewish power in Russia uh, because uh, he has to use the global banking system created by the Rothschilds. So, nevertheless, we have uh, United States, Britain, and now Russia, which uh, in the days of World War II was, of course, the Soviet Union under Stalin. Okay, so we'll get into greater detail about that shortly. Back to you. Okay, uh, then number 24. And of those that dwell therein, 
with much oppression. Above all, those that were before them, therefore are they called the heads of the eagle. For these are they that shall accomplish his wickedness, and that shall finish his last end. Okay, so this is a an end-time prophecy that these three heads of this eagle are going to exist until the very end of time, the very end as we understand the prophecies. And we know that we're really close because of all of the chaos going on globally created by the Rothschilds and their medical mafia. Uh, it doesn't talk say anything about the medical mafia in this prophecy, but it's simply telling us that these three heads will exist till the very end. Back to you. Yes. And whereas thou sawest that the great head appeared no more, it signified that one of them shall die upon his bed, and yet with pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and we've already identified on previous occasions that the one that dies in his own bed is Britain. It dies without a fight. It's not fighting to survive. It's on its deathbed. And how should I put it? Uh, is very feeble of among of these three heads is the most feeble of the three heads that still exist. Back to you. Yeah, and I guess the death of this head is cause of uh, para- parasitical uh, activities. That's right. It has a parasitical disease. Absolutely. Yes, number 27. For the two that remain shall be slain with the sword. Okay, so we can expect World War Three, in which Russia and America will also perish. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. that is what said in 28. For the, the sword mm-hmm. of the one shall devour the other, but at the last shall he fall through the sword himself. So... I guess one will win, but the the last one that win will fall through his own sword. Right. So whether it's Russia, and I know, I know a lot of people, Christians, are rooting for Russia because America is so to- totally dominated by Jews. And uh, they say, see Putin as the last great hope of Christianity, although it's Orthodox Christianity. It remains to be seen whether, um, you know, I think what we're expecting here in America is, of course, a civil war against the minions of the Rothschilds. I expect we will win that war. I really don't see us going to war against Russia. I, what I see is a global conflict which, in which every nation is involved, and they will be fighting all against all just for their own survival. I think that's what's going to happen. Every nation is just going to be struggling to survive. And they will pick enemies and friends as they go along. We know that politics makes strange bedfellows. We never know what the alliances might be in this last battle. But it's going to be a global struggle. Every nation, every white nation that exists is going to be struggling to survive. And that includes Russia and the United States. Uh, but we'll see if Russia and the United States go to war against each other. Uh, I don't want to see that. I don't. I really don't think it's going to be a one-on-one conflict. I think it's the United Nations war. I think the Jews are going to array the United Nations against America. They've already started doing that. And so if, if we have a, a war right now, it's going to be the American people against the troops of the United Nations. I think that's how it's going to come out. Back to you. 
Yeah, haven't they also, as your your what to say, your fellow soldiers that um, if they're what to say, willing to shoot at their own population. Right, right. Yeah, that's why they're they, using. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and they that didn't want to do it, they are abroad, and they that want are at home. Right. So the United Nations is going to be a coordinated, and it has been. In, in fact, the coronavirus is coordinated from the United Nations. And, uh, you know, Bill Gates and the vaccine, the medical mafia are part of the war against us. People don't realize that this is part of the war against us. It's a medical war right now and an economic war, but it's going to be a shooting war real soon, folks. Real soon. Back to you. Okay. Number 29, then. And whereas those saw us two feathers under the wings passing over the head, that is on the right side. It signifies that these are they whom the highest has kept on to their end. This is the small kingdom of full of trouble, as okay. you saw it. Yeah, okay, so now this is interesting. The small kingdom full of trouble. So, uh, many people have thought this might be Nazi Germany, but that can't be right because... Germany was a huge country, <laughs> capable of making war against Britain, America, and the Soviet Union, okay? And it wasn't for, it, it, the only reason Germany was full of trouble at all was because of the Versailles Treaty, okay? Where the global Jews who instigated the Versailles Treaty blamed Germany for a war that Germany did not start. Okay, so you can't call Germany a small kingdom full of trouble. It just does not fit. All right, we have another kingdom in mind. We'll get to that as we proceed. Oh, back to you, Michael. Yeah, you and me discussed this a bit before, but we we come back to that later. Right. Yes, number thirty-one, uh, and the lion whom thou sawest rising up out of the wood, and roaring and speaking to the eagle and rebuking her for her unrighteousness, with all the words which thou hast heard. And this is the anointed, which the highest hath kept for them and for their wickedness, unto the end. He shall approve them, and shall upbraid them with their cruelty. Yes, here we have him, Messiah, yeah. Jesus Christ is here. Yeah, and uh, in, in essence, all three heads are guilty of materialism they're all guilty of you know doing business with the rothschilds with the antichrist and the materialism of this latter age is so gross that there are hardly any righteous christians left on the planet earth hardly any at all and very few righteous secularists most of them fall in the category of uh, believing in the New World Order. They think that the United Nations is actually a good thing. The liberals do. Many of the Judeo-Christians believe that the United Nations is a good thing. But no, the United Nations is part of the problem. It's The United Nations was created, actually, by these three heads at the end of World War II. We'll get to that shortly. Back to you. Yes. Number 33, then. For he shall set them before him, alive in judgment, and shall rebuke them, and correct them. Oh, mm. him alive, yeah, before him alive in judgment. He won't, he won't kill them. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think they're going to. There's going to be a a trial, <laughs> a divine court of retribution, that all of the leaders, and I think you can probably safely say that every country that is going to be judged will be judged by the fact that it has done business with Jewish banksters and oppressing their own people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. killing their own people. That's right. Yes, so that that won't be so funny for your politicians. For right now, you cannot either blame you didn't know or you oh, just yeah. did order. Yeah, you you can't or make you that can... claim. No, you knew. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. You did. Yeah. Okay. Number thirty-four. For the rest of my people, shall he deliver with mercy those that have been pressed upon my borders, and he shall make them joyful until the coming of the day of judgment. Whereof I have spoken unto thee from the beginning. Okay, so the the righteous Israelites of the world can expect to uh, have, I don't want to say an easy time, but to get through this without uh, major havoc, you know, without without major injury uh, or death. But you know, some, of course, some of us who are ill and getting ready to die will will die. However, the prophecy is that many Israelites will survive this and will not be part of the judgment. In fact, we will be uh, called upon to bury the dead. <laughs> we will, uh, for three months, we'll be occupied burying the dead from this uh, great cataclysm, the, the day of judgment. Okay, so it's Dr. Eugene Scott who has presented this interpretation that we started talking about last week. And so I'm going to pick it up on quoting from Hayden's Dictionary of Dates, which is about one-third of the way down on this document. Hayden's Dictionary of Dates, 1910, where he says, It will be noticed from the list that the second emperor, Leopold I actually did reign 17 years longer than the next longest, William II. We're talking about the early days of these 12 monarchs depicted as the Holy Roman Empire. Moreover, as none of the last three were crowned by the Pope, the requirements of the prophecy were met exactly because he had to reign twice as much as anybody else. And if you take the three not crowned, the prophecy is exactly fulfilled twice as long as any other crowned ruler. And so what this is talking about is after Napoleon crowned himself in, uh, I think it was the Cathedral of Notre Dame, that put the end to the Holy Roman Empire. Nevertheless, there were three Germanic rulers that uh, continued after the Holy Roman Empire came to an end, and uh, the last two were uh, uh, Kaiser, well, the last one was Kaiser Wilhelm second of Germany. When he resigned in uh, 1919, that put an end to the entire 12 uh, monarchs talked about in this vision. Okay, that put an end to it. This leaves us now with the underfeathers, the underfeathers that uh, are uh, prophesied to exist after these 12. Okay, so here's what the prophecy says, and this is Eugene Scott's analysis. Quote, 
With the last of the twelve feathers when they had been gone, which occurred with the defeat of the Kaiser and the abdication at the end of the war, World War I, two things would take place. Eight small states, and you just read the prophecy a minute ago, contrary feathers would come into being, which I just read to you. Three new heads would appear on the body of the eagle. Herbert Wallace, in the pamphlet mentioned above in this article, observed that in order to identify these eight states, the signature of the peace treaty, June 1919, must be awaited. Now, I did everything I could to dig up the article written by Herbert Wallace, but I just couldn't find anything. Apparently, he's just too obscure a person, and we'd have to go uh, to Eugene Scott's ministry to find out who Herbert Wallace was and when he issued this prophecy. Anyway, Herbert Wallace was aware of this vision of the 12-headed eagle and uh, and the three heads that would result. But he also prophesied that these eight underfeather nations would have to also exist, and he predicted that they would be created at the Versailles Treaty, which is really good prophetic work, I, I dare say, right, by Mr. Wallace. Unfortunately, we uh, I can't I wasn't able to find his article or anything about Herbert Wallace. It's just uh, he's too obscure a person. Okay, so I'll see if I can contact uh, what's left of Eugene Scott's ministry to see if I can get a copy of this pamphlet. It should be very interesting. Okay, anyway, he says this guy wrote before 1919, and he said based on Esdras there had to be eight states. Who these eight states will be, we must await the signature of the peace treaty in June 1919. And what if there had been nine or six? Do you know who the states were? When the peace treaty was published, it was noticed that eight small independent independent states had appeared. You want to go down the list here, Michael? Yes. Okay. So here we have the states. Some of them exist, some doesn't. But let's read them. Uh, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and we have Poland, Romania, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Albania. Okay, so let's go through the list. And uh, it's, uh, I think Latvia still exists, correct? You're, you're, yep. you're not far from there. What about no. Lithuania? Yeah, they exist. Lithuania still exists? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Estonia? Yes. Uh, Poland? Oh, yeah. Okay. Romania? Uh, yeah. Okay. What about Czechoslovakia? No, it is Czech and Slovakia, so they yes. have been divided. Okay. And what about Yugoslavia? Same there. Divided into three nations, Serbia... Uh, Croatia and the last one slips me right now. It is uh, Bosnia Herzegovina. Yeah, Bosnia Herzegovina. Okay. okay, and what about Albania? Exists to my knowledge. Yes. So, so two have definitely disappeared in the interim. Okay. So let's go. Uh, let's continue. Then he says, "Now Esdras begins to look a little more convincing." And uh, after the twelve feathers, eight independents, two shall perish. Okay, well, two perished, right? Okay, so, so far the prophecy is looking really convincing. 
This is the middle time approaching. Four shall be kept until their end begin to approach. Okay, so, and I, I don't think we're there yet, but I think there's so much chaos in Europe that we can see four of these countries disappearing. Uh, maybe Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and maybe Albania. These would probably be the least stable of the remaining countries. Poland, I would think, would be one of the most stable. Okay. And uh, I said Poland and Romania, I think, would be the two most stable. Uh, what's your opinion? You're, you're in Europe. What do you think? Yeah, I guess uh, the, the, with as I said, Poland they they are pretty envious to this. Uh, I guess this all this uh, uh, immigration stuff. And I also I haven't really followed up on on my Baltic nations of of uh, Estonia. Um, uh, uh, li- uh, ah, sorry, uh, Latvia and Lithuania. I have not looked into them. How they are in doing in this. Uh, in this, um, in this time, and for sure, we know that Estland, I believe, is also as, as Finland part of the Ishakar, uh, of the tribe of Ishakar. So, yeah, then Lettland and Litauen, I'm a bit more, uh, uh, I'm not Lit- Lit- Lithuania and Latvia, sorry. Mm-hmm. They are a bit more who, who they. And same then, as I said, Poland, I don't think they either had really that big of immigration so we'll so we will see that two how many they said now two will be kept until then right so four of them have to disappear and uh you know but uh latvia lithuania is still a very very small countries and so is albania yeah they are okay yes they are. maybe that's going to have something to do with it they might be absorbed and overwhelmed you know in this coming world cataclysm which is you know we're going to see world war three no doubt about it okay yeah, that could be because maybe they are very close also to um, to their neighbor Russia. So we don't know if uh, because it happened before that Russia has <clears throat> expanded their borders. Right. So right. That I don't know. That's part of the of that because it did happen. This did happen. Those that uh, uh, those four because of uh, both Lith- Lith- uh, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, also Poland. They were. They were during World War Two. They were, um, what do you say? They were taken by by, by the Soviet Union. By Russia. Yeah, by Russia. By and then, yeah, also, exactly. yeah, also Romania, also that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's what only then was. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that uh, Albania. I don't know if they were really. I'm maybe they. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they were. And then, yeah, of course, Yugoslavia. Of course, Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. Yeah. So definitely, two of them have have disappeared of the eight under feathers that we just named. But I have a quote here by Winston Churchill. I'm going to be quoting from the book by James F. Burns, who was the Secretary of State under Roosevelt at the end of World War II. He was at Yalta, where Europe was carved up between the Western nations... I really hesitate to call them dem- democracies. <laughs> the the Western capitalist nations controlled by the Rothschilds, and of course the Soviet Union, which was the communist uh, nation controlled by the Rothschilds. And most people don't understand it. All three of these nations were totally controlled by the Rothschilds, and they had planned a Cold War following World War II, 
which would enable them to slowly but surely disintegrate the nations now still existing and cause World War III. Now, we also know that the United States of America is the main target of the Rothschilds because we are the only Christian republic in the world, and that's why we're seeing such chaos here in America. But uh, the chaos is rife in Europe as well because of all these immigration problems, okay? So it might be that what you're saying, Michael, is that the smaller nation might actually welcome Russia in to you know, for protection. That's a possibility. Yeah, that, that should, yeah, because also something that I was thinking about, if you look um, geographic at the location for, for Russia, Russia's only port to the Baltic is St. Petersburg. They, they want troubles to have more uh, out toward the, the Baltic Sea. So then, uh, yeah, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, they are, maybe they are. They need to have that because it's known that uh, because of um, Sweden's uh, positions in the Baltic and Sweden also have the, what is it, that could be also referred to as a springboard toward, to Russia from right. Sweden and also from this uh, um, Iceland called Gotland, Gothland. Right. Okay. All right. So, so two shall be kept until the end. So two of these kingdoms will survive. So now we're, we know where to look for the two out of the eight. We're closer to the two little wings than we were. Two shall perish, four shall be kept until the end begins to approach. And only two well, will survive this whole ordeal. Okay. But the two little underfeathers that uh, we, we were talking about earlier are yet to be discussed by uh, Dr. Scott, let me uh, let me take the next paragraph. We can maybe alternate paragraphs from this point on. History has witnessed the fall of two of the above kingdoms, Yugoslavia and Czechoslovakia. The two most likely to survive until the judgment day would be, in my opinion, this is this is my writing here, Poland and Romania. Albania and Poland have eagle emblems, but Lithuania has a mounted knight as its state emblem. Latvia's emblem includes a lion and griffin, but no eagle. Estonia has a shield with three lions. Czechoslovakia is split up into two nations in 1993, the Czech Republic and Slovakia. The combined emblem from 1918 to 1993 was two eagles and two lions. Yugoslavia's state emblem was a double-headed eagle, and that was the symbol of the Holy Roman Empire, I believe, for most of its existence, a double-headed eagle. In the 1990s, Yugoslavia split up into several autonomous states, Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Slovenia, Macedonia, and Montenegro, <laughs> with Kosovo still in dispute. The national symbol of Romania is a golden eagle. So three of the eight underfeather states lack eagle symbolism, and Dr. Scott was trying to, uh, he was trying to force eagle symbolism on these nations. That's why he picked Germany and Italy as two of the remaining three, but we're going to see that doesn't work. So back to you. Yeah, I also when I, when I look at it, I would also refer to see it as, I guess, those, state, those nations that will survive i mean now you have those those nations you see here but what about the other one that is not mentioned are they doomed to perish are they going to survive how is it with them so i would also look at to 
uh, what of those, I mean, uh, we know that we Israelites have been settled down in Europe, but then also, I guess, um, I guess more to the east, weren't there also a lot of, uh, from the Japhethite that also settled down? Yes. So I believe yeah, the that, Slavs, uh, yeah. That, mm-hmm. yeah, so I believe that the nations with the Israelite nations, they are the two that will survive. Okay. That's how I would view at it, that okay. the one of Israelite heritage. Okay. That, that's that's a, a good proposition. Okay, please take the next paragraph. Okay, so then we have, um, uh, I guess, start with the rest of Dr. Scott's analyze. Yes. Okay, yes, I have. The rest of Dr. Scott's analyze uh, begins to break down because he tries to limit the importation of the next element of division to those nations, which had have eagles in their natural emblems. But not all of the underfeathers nations had eagle emblems. So this interpretation's method has only been violated by three of the eight underfeathers. I include the rest of Dr. Scott's analyze here for your um, inspections. Uh, and I will continue to insert my own comments. Um, there are five elements yet to be identified. The two small feathers and the three heads. Part of the problem in interpretation for most of the interpretation of this vision is that they try to limit themselves to kingdoms that have an eagle as a national insignia. For this reason, both Scott and uh, Trim tried to insert Nazi Germany and fascist Italy into this vision. Um, these two nations actually op- opposed the power of the um, three heads, as we will uh, soon see. Yeah, okay, so the vision clearly states that the three heads will last until the judgment day. Okay, but Nazi Germany didn't, <laughs> and fascist Italy didn't. Okay, so uh, th- those three heads still exist, and uh, there's there's no doubt that they are the survivors, that the ruling powers that survived after World War II. Okay, not not two nations that were uh, you know, uh, vanquished during World War II, and those three still are. The United States, Great Britain, and Russia under Putin, which is no longer the Soviet Union, however, which we understand to be very much still compromised by Jewish money and power and influence in the world. So even in Russia under Putin, they passed a law that say you can't criticize the Holocaust. And since the the Russia has to deal with the Jewish economic power, they can't. They are not totally independent of the United Nations and Jewish corporations, etc., etc. And of course, the Jewish moneylenders. They're not independent of that. They'd like to be. I think Putin would like to be, but Russia is not. Okay. So next. And then one uh, I had one uh, is this. If you look to eagles, you can also look, I guess, to what is Russia's national emblem emblem, and what is America's national emblem. Aren't they both eagles? Those are eagles, exactly. Yeah, the bald eagle for America. And uh, I think uh, Russia has more old-fashioned eagle insignia from the Kaiser days, all right? Because the the Kaisers and the Tsars, that title means Caesar. So basically, these nations kept the Roman eagle symbolism and the Holy Roman Empire symbolism for themselves. And uh, to some extent, uh, America, 
It just happens that we have a bald eagle, which is not related to those European eagles. But you're absolutely right. There, there are still two eagles present in the three. Uh, Britain does not have an eagle symbolism. It's the, the uh, unicorn of Joseph and the Lion of Judah, which is the national emblem of Great Britain. Okay. So um, can that be then a reference to this three-headed eagle? Yeah, one of them we know is, is dead in the bed. If that yes. is Britain, and then we have the two two remaining eagles, Russia and America. Right, exactly. Uh, that's what, uh, I, there's no other possible conclusion. Okay, so all right, so let, let's continue here. Not only were these eight states to occur, this is uh, I'm quoting Dr. Scott. It was prophesied three new heads were to arise, the outgrowth of the old Roman eagle. Exactly. Okay. But these three new heads were waiting in the wings, so to speak, while the Holy Roman Empire was collapsing. Okay, and but we know that it is the Rothschilds that instigated World War One and World War Two, and all the wars we're fighting in constantly, thanks to the United Nations. The, the United Nations has not created peace by any means; it has created more and more wars. And it will create World War III, as, as we see is happening right now. World War III has already begun. And it's an attack on America, the uprising after the George Floyd attacks, uh, terrorist attacks on America. These are orchestrated attacks against America by the international Jew. That's what that is. And Britain has been attacked by the international Jew. That's why it's dying in its, in its bed as we speak. And Russia, what? Well, what's happening in Russia? Uh, it may be that Russia is the the last one to survive, because uh, Putin is uh, the only leader who actually criticizes the international community, you know, the European Union and the United Nations, and at least in terms of uh, what comes out of his mouth. He is a Christian. Whether he's a real Christian, I'm not sure. But at least he makes Christian noises and talks about Western civilization and white civilization. And none of the other leaders in the world, except the Eastern Bloc that you mentioned earlier, Poland and Hungary, for example, talk about preserving our white Christian heritage. Okay? So uh, Poland may be one of those nations that survives until the end. All right, uh, take the uh, next paragraph, please. Yeah, I have a one uh, thought that came to my mind. We have here two eagles. We have the American eagle, that is the eagle head. We have also the, um, the eagles in Moscow, right. uh, Russian, the eagles. And if you look at those smaller nations, we have eagle there as well. Could that have something to do with what of them that will fall or not? Because he tried to with the eagles. Then, um, because the eagles apparently will disappear. So maybe that has something to do with it. We have to look at it the opposite way, that the one, the nation states with maybe eagles in their emblem maybe are the one that will perish. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah. well Poland is one of those that uh, has, I believe, has a double eagle. I think we talked about yes. that. So, uh, but nevertheless, the eagle is an important aspect of the vision. But the three heads are obviously the three heads that defeated uh, Germany and Italy in World War II. That, that's yeah, okay. th there's no doubt about that. Okay, it can't be. Anything no, it's else. not. Yeah. Okay. No. Sure. I mean, I was, okay. Okay. Just an idea. Let's continue then. 
Uh, not only were these eight states to occur, it was prophesied uh, three new heads were to rise, the outgrowth of the old Roman eagle. Uh, technicality, these heads are not new. They are part of the original image. Dr. Scott is forgetting about this. Okay, That's your so, comment. Right. So the, the three heads were always waiting in the wings, and we know that uh, technically Britain was never part of the Holy Roman Empire. Okay. America was never part of the Holy Roman Empire, but Russia actually, boy, it, let's put it this way. Russia was never really a part of the Holy Roman Empire, even though the czars took the name Kaiser, right? They were so far east and were more in conflict with the Holy Roman Empire because the Roman, Holy Roman Empire was Catholic and Russia was Orthodox, so that's probably the difference. So uh, even though the, the Russian czars took the name Kaiser or Caesar, they were never really part of the Holy Roman Empire because of the religion. Okay, So you could say that all three of these eagle heads were waiting in the wings for their day in the sun. And we, knew, we know that occurred uh, during World War II. Okay? So, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, go ahead. Yes, it's you with the Roman, the the Roman, the what I said, the Holy Roman Empire. That as I said, you also have more the more states that are also to the east is as, as also the smaller state, Estonia, uh, Latvia, and Lithuania. They were either not under that that yoke. Same with yes. same with Finland. They were under the Swedish yoke instead. Yes, right. Okay, very good. All right. So uh, further, Doctor Scott continues. He says. Mussolini is the center one, suddenly rises up to revive the ancient Roman Empire with his emblem of the eagle. Okay, maybe that's what Mussolini tried to do, but his empire did not last till the end times. <laughs> okay, so he's focusing on this eagle uh, symbolism rather than uh, following the prophecies exactly, namely that the three heads would last till the judgment day. Continuing. The Kaiser had laid the groundwork, and under demon power, Hitler raised up the Third Reich. Okay, so Hitler and Mussolini. So th that's what occurs to him because he doesn't realize that the Jews are behind this, the, the, this last uh, element of the three heads. The Kaiser of the head on the left, German for Caesar, and with the abdication of the Eastern Constantinople Empire falling, one of the Ivans of Russia, who had married a cousin of Caesar, moves it north, and the next Ivan is called the Tsar, the head on the right communism, fascism on the other side. So his vision of the three-headed eagle at the end is communism, fascism, and uh, must be Germany, and Mussolini in the center. Okay, that, that's how he sees it. And my comment here is, Dr. Scott has one of the movements correct, communism. It is odd that he puts communism on the right and fascism on the left. Okay. All right, uh, so please pick it up from there. Yeah, as I said, I think his, his image here is, is wrong because if you look, uh, when you see this head, there's one head that will die in his bed. And um, now he had two of them are dead. So right. he is, yeah. it's a bit wrong. Yeah, yeah, and okay. uh, none of none of them died peacefully. No, no, no they, they didn't. Okay. They died no. by the sword. Yes. Okay. Back to you. 
Yes, okay. The one in the center, the prophesy said, will die in his bed. From the tip of the boot, including uh, Sicily, through Italy, the Allied troops devastated the land to destroy Mussolini's fascism in the heart, link it by the way to the Roman church for its own survival, knowing whoever rules Italy uh, and crouch on their Vatican state. Okay. Yeah, so my comment here is this symbolism doesn't work either because to me, dying in one's bed means dying peacefully, or at least not during a military invasion. Mussolini's empire died fighting against the Allies. Dr. Scott admits that Italy was devastated. This is not dying in one's bed. So he's trying to force the issue because he wants to blame the evil Nazis and the evil fascists uh, for being two of the three heads, okay? And, but uh, it obviously doesn't work. Okay, all right, pick it up from there, please. And in the commentary with dying in one's bed, that is also a comment that the, the what do you say, the Vikings had here in, in yeah, the Nordic countries that they didn't want to die in their bed, and that is exactly what you say, die peacefully. So then, I guess, I don't know if it was Odin that instigated that, that in man made marks on them, like with a sword, if they died in the bed. So they had some marks before <laughs> they died. It doesn't die on the bed. They don't want to die. Right. Don't die bed. peacefully. Okay. No. Huh. Okay. You're laying in your bed about to die. Well, let's stab you <laughs> so you can die like a warrior, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Okay. So... Now, uh, we see that this imagery is not working because Dr. Scott is trying to force uh, fascism and uh, Nazism into the image where it doesn't belong. Okay, so please pick it up here. Yes. Uh, the second head, Kaiser, resurrected in Hitler's Third Reich, with the eagle still there in the swastika, uh, with its head looking different directions than the American eagle which is a different kind of species of eagle. These are the vulture group, eaten up by the Russian troops and, as Estrus said, the final head. You know, the e eagle symbol of the Austrian-Prussian Empire, the two-head eagle with the crown on the Pope resting on it. Except the crown was not given to the last three of the emperors of the Holy Roman Empire. And the resurrection we've seen in our day uh, of the final three-head eagle. The center one dying in his bed with pain ravaging uh, the country. The second and the, the Western King Hitler and the Third Reich being literally eaten up and dying by the sword as Russia charges in and takes a great portion of the German Empire, Czechoslovakia, East Germany and the last head. Okay, so... Yeah, so he's trying to force uh, Nazism and fascism into this image, but it's really obvious that he's overlooking something. Well, who's invading from the east, uh, which yeah. obviously survives? Yeah, the communist empire under Stalin. Right? Yeah. How can he miss that? Right. That's because he's trying to force he, he he's trying to force the hatred of Nazi Germany upon this image, you know, the, 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 the hatred that has been created in us by the Jews, okay, where the Jews are the really guilty party and the Jews running the Soviet Union. So here he actually identifies one of the three heads, but he misses it, and that's com the communist Russia, the Soviet Union. 
but somehow yeah, he misses he, it. Okay. Yeah, he does. He really does. And I don't know when Dr. Scott was living. Yeah, I think uh, I think he lived uh, like to 2010, some, somewhere around then. Uh, so then he, had he should have been yeah. patient. Yeah, he had plenty of time to think about this. <laughs> right? Yeah, he did. But maybe he was trying to avoid uh, you know, antagonizing the Jews. That's why he came up with this analysis. But now, now here's my comment here. In my opinion, Dr. Scott's analysis breaks down for the reasons cited in previous comments. His analysis is old school, teaching that Russia is the Gog and Magog of Ezekiel. Rand, Compare, and Swift also taught this, but I have shown that this judgment was premature. Because what really was going, Zionism, which was born in the Jewish Pale of Russia, Old Khazaria, of the Talmudic rabbis, is Gog. Okay? It's Jewish communism, not anything else. Okay? It's not Russia per se. It's the Jews in Russia who are Gog and Magog. Okay? Otherwise known as the synagogue of Satan. And Magog means those nations which are allied with Zionism in these end times. Of these, Red China is the number one threat to world peace, not Russia. Okay? And I think... uh, um, Go ahead. I don't want to be, but also, I guess, um, not that you people, American, are are that, but you are also pretty... Your politician is very hooked up with with them. That's right. With Zionists. Zionism is still at play in Russia very greatly. Uh, Zionism totally controls China. There's no doubt about it. The Chinese will have to play ball with the Rothschild banking family and all of their minions, and they will be called upon to attack America. All right, I think uh, I don't think Russia is going to be involved. I think it's going to be China. Okay, <clears throat> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, so of these, Red China is the number one threat to world peace, not Russia. The Israelis have been building up communist China since Nixon opened trade with China in 1972. In 1952, Taiwan was booted from the Olympic Games in favor of Red China, a move which can only be explained by the secret machinations of the Illuminati in their ongoing communization of the world via the United Nations Organization. The United Nations Organization has always promoted communism, folks. Always. And it's run by Jewish capitalists, so-called. They're really monopolists. They're not. They don't believe in. They don't believe in free enterprise. They don't believe in competition. They believe in total dictatorship, i.e., monopoly. Okay. The Israelis have been pro- providing China with free and/or cheap military technology since the early 1980s, even stealing technology from us using spies like Jonathan Pollard and giving it to China for the inevitable Battle of Armageddon. Once the Rothschilds have completely bankrupted America, we're just about there, folks. We will be given the final, I wrote this about 10 years ago, we will be given the final ultimatum. Give up your sovereignty or else. That's going to be the final ultimatum. The American people will then have to face the proposition of replacing the U.S. Constitution with the communist U.N. Charter. The Rothschilds created Red China during World War II by using subversives such as Vinegar Joe Stilwell 
and George Catlett Marshall, you don't hear anything about these two guys because they were total traitors to America, to divert supplies intended for Chiang Kai-shek, who was a nationalist Chinese uh, leader, who would have kept China free from communism, but they subverted Chiang Kai-shek, and diverted these supplies to Mao Zedong and Chao Enlai. Red China is simply part of the Illuminati's new world order. Does that make sense, Michael? Yeah, yeah, because they are they are a communist country. So, um, yeah, China they they are still the the most open communist country, and then I guess also North Korea. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. It's a real uh, hybrid form of communism, which re, uh, the state, the the government, the politics is totally communist. The uh, communist central committee makes all the decisions. Yet they allow free enterprise zones uh, because they have to deal with the West. It's the West that really provides China with the companies that do business. Number one, they, they, they need investment from the West, capital from the West, and they need technical expertise from the West. Okay, Communist China would not be able to exist without these two factors. And of course, Jewish subvert. Over to you. Go ahead. And could this also be one of the? Um, uh, because Soviet Union, we know, did uh, just collapse. Could this be one of? They would say they have corrected in there. They know that it won't work. It will collapse. So they needed to get foreign capital capital in. So this is one of their what I say adjustment in the communist system to be able yeah. to work. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, essentially, the Soviet Union was becoming more and more anti-Jewish, and you, I don't know if you recall the 1980s, the so-called Refusenik movement in Russia, where uh, Soviet Jews were allowed to move to Palestine, probably most of them wound up in America, because the climate, the anti-Jewish climate in Russia was getting so bad that the Jews could not live there anymore. Okay, so this is probably the main reason why the Soviet Union collapsed, because the Jews were no longer uh, you know, tolerated by the Russian people. And this is a story, you won't, you won't hear this from mainstream media, <laughs> okay, but that is what happened, okay. But even then, after the collapse of communism in Russia, those, the Jews who remained became the oligarchs. They simply switched from being, uh, manu uh, how should I put it? Uh, factory managers to factory owners. Uh, the commissars suddenly became capitalists in Russia. All right, that's what happened, folks. Okay, so let me uh, let me just finish up this uh, idea here. For the details about this betrayal of Western civilization to international communism, you must read America's Retreat from Victory by Senator Joseph R. McCarthy. Okay, and uh, Jew Watch has. Uh, a story about Joe McCarthy and the Jews. So Joseph, Joseph McCarthy talked about J uh, Vinegar Joe Stilwell, George Catlett Marshall. To some extent, he talked about Eisenhower, but not much. But what he points out in that book is very much this, namely that our State Department under Roosevelt was totally controlled by Jew communists. And uh, so our country was betrayed uh, Russia was betrayed to communism in 1917 
by the Jews. Europe, Eastern Europe, was betrayed to communism right after World War II. And here, uh, uh, I don't know if I made this quote, this pertains here from, again, this book, the title, Speaking Frankly by James F. Burns, uh, the chief architect of our post-war foreign policy, as Secretary of State, he quotes Churchill saying this, Britain, the Prime Minister said, declared war on Germany in order that Poland should be free and sovereign. Everyone knows what a terrible risk we took and how nearly it cost us our entire life in the world, not only as an empire but as a nation. Our interest in Poland is one of honor, having drawn the sword on behalf of Poland against Hitler's brutal attack. We could never be content with any solution that did not leave Poland a free and independent sovereign state. He reported that the sentiment expressed by the president saying that Poland should not be free to entertain hostile designs against the peace and safety of the Soviets. Okay, so here is Churchill arguing against what Stalin and Roosevelt wanted, namely to turn Poland over to the communists. He's saying, well, the reason Britain got in the war was on behalf of Poland to keep Poland free. Did that happen, Michael? Yeah, ex- yeah, well, exactly. They were left over to the communists. They were given to the to the communists. So right. all of Poland. So so Britain had no say about it. This this no. is indication that Britain now is becoming the nation that dies in its own bed, and this is from the foreword of the book where he quotes Mr. Statinius, Roosevelt, and Churchill in this exchange. Mr. Statinius reads from a report, I have a brief statement as to Dumbarton Oaks. It is agreed that five governments which have permanent seats on the council should consult each other prior to the United Nations Conference as to the establishment of trusteeships. Okay, so five nations were to be part of the Security Council, of the United Nations. So it's real obvious that two goals of the Rothschilds were accomplished with World War II. Number, number one, many countries which were once free became uh, you know, communist countries. Okay? By no means can, we be, can it be said that the West won World War II. Uh, essentially, our armies fought for nothing. They fought so that communism could rule over half of Europe. That's exactly what happened. And the other is the creation of the United Nations, which, what, reduced our sovereignty, folks. Okay, so the result of World War II was, number one, half of Europe became communist, which was not communist before it, and we gave up our sovereignty to the United Nations. No way could we be said to have won World War II. Okay, is that fair? Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that is kind of so. All your former, yeah, the war veterans, I think they, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, they've been fooled. Yes, and Mr. Churchill responds, "Quote: I absolutely disagree. I will not have one scrap of British territory flung into that area, to be carved up." Right? He's talking about the British colonial <coughs> empire. After we have done our best to fight in this war and have done no crime to anyone, 
not even to the German people? <laughs> I will have no suggestion that the British Empire is to be put into the dock and examined by everybody to see whether it is up to their standard. No one will induce me as long as I am Prime Minister to let any representative of Great Britain go to a conference where we will be placed in the dock and asked to justify our right to live in a world we have tried to save. And he's trying to preserve the British Empire with its uh, colonial possessions, okay? We know that as a result of World War II, Britain began a terrible decline. It was a bankrupt country. It began to lose all of its colonial power, and the it was not no longer secure in its own nation because it was bankrupt, okay? In other words, what happened was the Rothschilds decided, well, we don't need the British anymore, we're going to move to America, <laughs> right, with the Bretton Woods Agreement. And we'll have a new world currency, the U.S. dollar. And we'll forget the British pound. And we'll just cut Britain loose. You know, we don't need, thank you very much, Britain. We, we used all your troops. You died for us to create the Jew World Order. But we don't need you anymore. America is way more powerful. We, have, we can have way more influence over the world if we relocate to America, and that's what they did. Okay? This is why Britain has to be the country dying in its own bed. You could see, you could see that Churchill was uh, seeing that this would be the outcome, that the British Empire would ultimately collapse. He tried to do his best to prevent that, but he couldn't prevent it. Okay? All right, uh, back to you. Uh, Gog and Magog. Yes, so Gog and Magog are a Talmudic Zionism and Talmudic communism, both international movements founded and founded by the Rothschild. And funded, yeah, founded and funded by the Rothschilds. Gog means to destroy America because we are a Christian nation. This is why the international banker have been bleeding us dry economically. They have to weaken us to the point of starvation in order to guarantee a military victory when they eventually order the Chinese to invade America. The Rothschilds are weakening America through constant moral uh, depravity coming from their educational and entertainment um, corporations, constant warfare and a constant growing SOG, that is a Zionist occupation government. Um, there were wars, no, three World wars were foreseen by Albert Pike in 1871, since Albert Pike was the chief of the Illuminati, Freemasonry, and the Ku Klux Klan. All at the same time, he was uh, privy to information available to no other person. The third phase of this prophecy also uh, dovetails with George Washington's vision at Valley Forge. So we have a lot of prophetic information coming together to tell us what is about to happen. Here is the link to George Washington's vision on our site. Okay, and George Washington foresaw that there would be fighting in the streets of America as we were invaded by a force he describes as a red cloud from Europe. Okay, so that could be communism. For sure it's communism. could also be a reference to Esau. The Jews, okay? So either way you interpret it, it's true. A red cloud from Europe is making war against America, and it's going to be a fight to the death, folks. Fight, a fight to the death. 
So let me check real quickly how much time we have because we want to get to the uh, the little kingdom full of fury, <laughs> full of furor, which uh, has... So uh, we, we don't need to go into Dr. Scott's try, attempt to try to work fascism and... Uh, and Nazism into the three-headed eagle. We know that it's it's the Soviet Union, Great Britain, and America. Those were the three surviving heads. Those three surviving heads still exist today, as the prophecy demands. So, what is the little <laughs> what is the little kingdom that's full of fury that is has taken over the world? Uh, what, what, in your opinion, what, what is going on here with this little kingdom that's full of fury that, uh, yeah. that Dr. Scott really ignores? If we go back also to, I guess we need to first, this one is mentioned in the, the, the second address 12.2, where we read, um, I guess, read the verses so we okay. get that context. It is said, uh, and behold, the head that remaineth, and the four wings appeared no more. And the two went on to it and set themselves up to reign. And their kingdom was small and full of uproar. Here we have a kingdom full of uproar. And something more that uh, we want to discuss is, you see, there are two. What is it? You see, there are two went on to it. Okay. Uh, let's keep on also to Second Estrus 12.29, where we get the imputation. Oh, it is said. And whereas thou sawest two feathers under the wings passing over the head that is on the right side. Again, okay. it signifies that these are they whom the highest has kept unto their end. This is the small kingdom and full of trouble as thou sawest. So, mm -hmm. yeah, this is a. So, again, we have two feathers. We have two of something. So then we find, we come back to this, to the Israeli state because they have been full of trouble. And this then, me and Neil, I discussed this before in the show. Why yes. is it two? And my, I, I don't know, my, I, I believe, could that be representing that the Canaanite and Edomite, they, they got one people? Or can it also be that the Sephardic and the Khazars got into one? They melted together. What is your opinion here? Well, I think that's a really good idea, namely the Ashkenazim, the Khazars, who created the Soviet Union, okay, and the Sephardim, who were the people who were living in Palestine uh, and were the focus of the regathering, so-called regathering of the Jewish people to Palestine. So I think you're right. Uh, it's the Ashkenazim and the Sephardim, the two feathers. Uh, I think that's absolutely right on the money, <laughs> okay? That uh, then the, the Sephardics, the, actually the Sephardics did not want to uh, create the Zionist state. They were happy living the way they were. It was the Ashkenazim who invaded Palestine with the two ideas of Zionism and uh, the United Nations. That That came from... The, the Zionists, the Ashkenazi Zionists of Europe, okay? So, uh, and I think, yeah, communism and Zionism were both conceived by the Ashkenazim, and the Rothschilds are their main proponent, okay? 
So uh, I think that's a really good interpretation. Uh, the Ashkenazim and the Sephardim being two wings of the Jewish state. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. The other possibility is uh, the one that I was thinking of was maybe the United Nations and the Israeli state because the United Nations created the Israeli state. So that would uh, be a, a thing worth considering. However, I think your analysis is more correct. Uh, we're talking about the two, uh, two different branches of Jewry, the Ashkenazim and the Sephardim would be the two feathers of this state that's full of trouble <laughs> and and furor. Okay, so uh, let me uh, let me quote here. Um, we have already identified Great Britain as the center head, and I wish to stress that I do not mean either the British Crown or the British people. I mean the British Empire which is actually Jewish in its nature, and we've already determined that all three surviving heads were controlled by Jews at this point, at Yalta, even, even before. So the British Empire has been controlled by the Bank of England since 1694. America has been controlled by Jews since the creation of the Federal Reserve Bank in 1917. And likewise for Russia was controlled by Jews since the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. Okay, so all three heads really are Jewish. Okay, most people don't realize that all three heads were controlled by Jews. And so the Jews are in total control of the world today, which dovetails with the shows we've been doing on Mystery Babylon. Okay, Mystery Babylon, the banking empire, not only controls the world's banks, it also controls world revolution. And also... World, the, the World Health Organization and uh, the vaccine manufacturers, which dovetails with Revelation 18.23 and the pharmakia, otherwise uh, translated as sorcery, but which really means the world empire of merchants and their control of medicine worldwide. So we're seeing all these uh, prophecies coming together in our time and we're getting ready to face World War Three, I think. Your comment, Michael. Yeah, that was that was prophesied, but um, that that will develop. That, but what will be that trigger? That trigger is it because I don't know. Is it this um, mosque down in Israel that uh, I don't know? The, because the usual suspects wants to build their they will instigate their temple and instigate the sacrifices again. I guess that mosque is upon that ground. I don't know if I'm correct there, but... Oh, yes, um, it is. You are correct, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> so maybe yeah. they want to get rid of that, and that will maybe trigger the Islamic State to react. Yes, well, uh, the Jews are uh, the Jews are tre treading on dangerous territory if they, if they want to upset the entire Arab Muslim world by uh, you know tearing down that you know because their plan they're already digging underneath the dome of the rock and causing the foundations of that building to you know uh, founder and so they can claim well we didn't mean to, <laughs> to to collapse the building we were just doing archaeological excavation that will be their excuse but you know do you think the Muslims are going to accept that excuse? No, I guess no. they maybe will come there with some swords. No, no. So, uh, 
that would be good for us, for the Arabs and the Jews to fight each other. That would be a fitting end to all this struggle, all this chaos. Okay, so my my comment here: both Dr. Scott and Mr. James Scott Trim fail to address the identity of the small nation full of trouble. They just kind of ignore that. I'm sure that many of you have already figured out what nation that is, if only from this brief description, and you quoted the two verses. Let me quote Howard B. Rand on this subject, who has this to say, and I quote, The Israeli state in Palestine is this small kingdom full of trouble. And the Zionists in control there did pass over the head of communist Russia during the Six-Day Arab-Israeli War on June 1967, for the Arabs were supported by the communists, at least in supplying arms and ammunition. From his booklet, Armageddon, Rendezvous with Destiny, page 34. Okay? So, anyone who's not aware that the Jews have created communism and Zionism both will miss all these things. Okay? Apparently, Dr. Scott and Dr. Trim simply weren't aware of these things. I don't see how they cannot be aware of it, but they don't include it in the analysis here. Okay? So, why don't you take the next paragraph, Michael? Yeah, then I'm looking where we are because I have been I've been uh, scattered now, so I don't really know in what paragraph you are. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was uh, reading uh, where you where actually where you left off. I think. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, oh, you're right. Uh, no, I did scroll down. So, um, the Israeli state in Palestine was where I left off. Okay, so unfortunately, the pagination uh, isn't uh, clear. This is a PDF document, and the page numbers are not always clear. But anyway, uh, so so here we see, uh, scrolling down, if you scroll down to the photograph of Stalin, Roosevelt, and Churchill. These I'm on are, my way. I have it, I have, I have oh. it written, I have it in a more written fashion. Yes, here I have it. Okay. So yeah, the real estate in Palestine is a small kingdom full of trouble. Yeah, there we have that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next one is then, uh, of course. Yes, go ahead. Okay, of course, the intrigues of the Zionists go far deeper than any of these representations of the feathers and heads of Estrus, uh, three-headed eagle vision. No one can understand modern history without um, thought, understanding of the um, treacherous dealings of the House of Rothschild which is also the eight beast and the mystery Babylon of the apocalypse. For through understanding of how this beast came into being and how it operates, please see my groundbreaking article, the eight beast of the apocalypse. Okay, and those are still available at the uh, archive site. Uh, you go to the Wayback Machine, which uh, has a, uh, a copy of Anglo-SaxonIsrael.com, in which these articles can be found. Okay, so but you have to go to the Wayback Machine. Um, still, I've been too busy to rebuild the the new site. So, so it's very clear that the three heads are the center British, the British Empire, the one that dies in its own bed, the Soviet Empire, the head on the left, which was devoured by the head on the right, the American Empire, but uh, so what happens? So 
with the Soviet Empire? Was it replaced by Russia? Or does world communism still exist? Yeah, well, it does. It does exist in the UN. Mm -hmm. It does. There you go. It does exist in the UN. That's what the UN is all about. It's global dictatorship, communist style. Okay. So, uh, but Ronald Reagan delivered on his promise to bring down the evil empire. And he did. But the Zionist oligarchs still hold too, uh, far too much influence in Russia. So here we have the three heads pictured at Yalta, Stalin, Roosevelt, and Churchill. And you can see Churchill is a very unhappy camper because he foresees the end of the British Empire as he knew it. Okay? So... All of these three leaders, although openly thought to be representing their own nations, were in fact rabidly pro-Zionist and pro-Communist. In fact, they were planning the, the United Nations at Yalta already, okay, that the United Nations would supersede the three-headed eagle. But I think, uh, and this is why I, I considered the United Nations as one of the two feathers of the little nation that's full of trouble, in a sense, the United Nations can be considered as a little nation, right, or one of the two feathers. But I think you're right, because the, uh, the United Nations is the dream of uh, the Rothschilds ever since the, the Congress of Vienna, right after the Napoleonic Wars. Okay. And uh, Rabbi Moses Hess was the one who developed the scheme of dividing the world into two camps, Zionism and communism. And that has been carried out by the Rothschilds ever since. So if you don't understand that the Jewish power behind all of these modern movements is the one that we're confronting right now, if you don't understand that, you don't understand the, the, the two, the, the, the little nation full of trouble. It can be none other than the Israeli state. Okay, uh, wouldn't you agree, Michael? It can't can't be anything else but the Israeli state. It's a, it's a small nation that has uh, created a lot of. Uh, it is not so stable down there anymore. I would yeah. say. Yeah. So that leaves the two feathers that passed over the right head America. All right. Who controls America today? That's the same one. Uh huh. And uh, quoting uh, Ezra twelve twenty nine. And whereas thou sawest two feathers under the wings passing over the head that is on the right side, it signifieth that these are they whom the highest has cut unto their end. This is the small kingdom and full of trouble. So, yeah, there you have the descriptions why this, those two yeah. feathers is fly, fly, flying above the, yeah. the eagle to the right. Then the eagle to the right is then the American Empire. Amen. Okay, so who controls America? Yeah, we said that we have talked about them a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it really state. Amen. So this vision prophesies that the world would end when America is taken over by the Jews. And here we are, folks. <laughs> Isn't that right. kind of interesting then, Eli? That, that is also, if you look, yeah, those feathers is above your nation then, the right one, but not above the left one, the Russia. Yeah. Well, since uh, Russia was uh, communist, uh, and uh, I think uh, uh, Reagan defeated the uh, communist empire, 
but Russia is the result. So maybe Russia, modern Russia, does not um, is not part of the image that the, the that America defeated uh, communism under Reagan, and uh, but but that was only in Russia, not in the United Nations. Because I think everybody should realize that communism never ended; it just shifted its focus from the Soviet Union to a global focus in the United Nations, okay? So it still exists. Communism still exists in the United Nations. That's its main, its main operation, is creating a communist world dictator, otherwise known as the New World Order, okay? So I think uh, th- this prophecy of the three-headed eagle with the, the final statement that the little nation full of trouble dominates America just before the Judgment Day, I, I don't think there's any other possible interpretation. Do you, Michael? With only less than two minutes left. No, I don't. I think we have concluded that, and we also looked why we have two feathers. I think you and me have been discussing that as well, so we can bring some some light into those uh, prophecies that is pretty uh, that we have to interpret interpre- uh, we have to do the interpretation of them but uh, they're not always that clear so with historical yeah. knowledge and biblical knowledge we are able i hope to do it we pray yes. that we have been able to do it and yeah yeah but one thing is for sure that we are in the end times america has been taken over by the the jew feathers <laughs> right and so has the united nations and those two entities, Zionism and Communism, aim to destroy America. So get ready, folks. America's days are numbered, but we will win. Okay? If every American city has to burn, it will, but we will win in the end. Thanks. Thank you, Michael. Take care and get ready, folks. This is about the best warning we could possibly give to prepare for the Judgment Day. All right. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye.